turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation. A sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. We're on the air. Thanks for joining us tonight for The Bible Live. The uh, this Our journey through this scripture, the book of books every year. Uh, tonight, some exciting conversation. We're going to have two great, great passages. I don't know how well they go together or if they relate to one another in any way, uh, particularly Joseph. Jacob is really often quite good at helping us see relationships. And uh, the, this past week in our reading schedule, of course, we finished up the book of Nehemiah. We spent a lot of time last week talking about uh, this these two men, actually, Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, particularly Nehemiah, the role he had in uh, helping to build the wall, to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem. Ezra was primarily involved in the primary mover of helping to rebuild the temple. And uh, of 515 B.C., this is 70 years after the exile in 586 and the destruction of, of Jerusalem. And then now, 70 years later, just as Jeremiah had uh, predicted, uh, 70 years of exile, people have come back from that exile. People who were born over actually in Babylon in the exile have come back. And uh, Ezra has guided them in the um, rebuilding of the temple. And it's not just rebuilding of the temple, but Ezra was focusing on rebuilding them in in their spiritual understanding of their covenant relationship with God and who they were as a God's people. And then uh, Nehemiah, who was not, Nehemiah was not, we determined that he was from the tribe of Judah. He was not a Levite, right? 
Am I? Oh, you, no, you got it 100%. I'm trying to remember some of the details. It's that, very important. Yeah, it, okay, and he comes, and he's of royal lineage. He's actually in the, somehow in the lineage of uh, the, the kingly lineage of David. But uh, so Nehemiah is the one who supervises and guides the, um, the rebuilding of the walls, which is very interesting when we're talking about, I, I think it's interesting, at least, Jacob, one of the great topics of discussion and controversy and debate in our culture today is the fact, you know, the, the idea of open borders, you know, that there is an open border mentality. A lot of people that just nobody should have, there should not be any borders and there should not be any boundaries. There should be no, well, you know, do away with the, people the last example of having no borders uh, went out of business. Do you know that? No. Yes, I used to have a membership at the Borders Bookstore, and since the, now there's no Borders, so they're out of business. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. That is so profound. <laughs> no, but but it is true that we are talking about it, the idea of no Borders, and, the, and and we've seen you know, thousands, millions, in fact, of folks coming in. So, But here we had, we didn't even comment on this last week, the idea that Nehemiah, the importance of Nehemiah's work in Building the walls again, the walls of protection, the walls. You know, I, I don't know. We didn't get into depth about that. Well, you know, speaking the legitimacy of, that, of walls. Not, not yeah. to digress, because I want you to return. And Trump, and Trump wants to build a wall. Yes, he does, <laughs> and he also wants to increase the jobs and the economy in America. Yeah. So now I want. I don't want. I want to digress, but I want to come back to where you're at. Okay. So I have. I somehow I got to get a message to Trump. I have figured out how to do jobs and build the wall. Tell me. Because he and I share the same birthday. Did you oh, know that? No, I did not. So he and I are buds. Well, we were born on well, the... Well, you can tell him this. I've come up with it. Right on the border, we'll build a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> and then people people can work there, make jobs, and it will be a wall because they got to you know go into the store. They can't come out the other side. Uh, so it's know. a Walmart. So I've got this figured out. I've also been working on a plan that says, like, when the weak shall inherit the earth. I was thinking, well... Does that mean that the rest of us are going to other planets and we're going to leave these guys here? I don't know. Uh, that's what uh, that's the Native Americans' great hope. You know, by the way, we all dream of the day when, when all the the uh, yellow, you know, what they call the yellow faces, or the, yeah. you know, the, when all the white folks go yes. to the moon, uh-huh. they'll leave it all back. To, <laughs> we'll be the only ones left now when, when everybody goes on. That's well, our great dream. Maybe. W- well, listen. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to stomp on anybody's dream. <laughs> <laughs> We're in dangerous territory. We are. Um, l- let's see here. Uh, you, might, you might be psychic. Uh, maybe. You, do you know why? No. The first great guy that ever had a, uh, since you come from an Indian, American Indian uh-huh. background, the first great guy that we really know of that had an American Indian psychic was the Lone Ranger. The Lone Ranger and his, his psychic. psychic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, never, never get tired of hearing those. <laughs> Those are good. Well, anyway, though, in our Bible readings, we finished up Nehemiah, and we've gone now into the book of Esther, which is remarkable, especially for Father's Day, I see, think. From, and, and it's important, I think, to understand that this Daniel, the other guys with Daniel, uh-huh. Nehemiah, Ezra, Esther, uh-huh. these are all, they, they probably all had known each other. I mean, these people are all in Babylon right. about the same time. That's why they're organized. From, in the they're Jewish in Babylon, Babylon, and they all functioned and li- lived and functioned 
at a certain high level of yeah, the yeah, Babylonian yeah, sure. culture. They were, they were, you know, the cup, the Persian, the emperor's cupbearer. That was Nehemiah, sure. which is a very, very high position, trusted position. Uh, Ezra also must have had some uh, high connections and all to be to be given oh, that role sure, of leader. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Esther comes along here in that. Now Esther's Esther's entree into that world of, you know, politics and emperors and the palaces and all that thing. Her intro, her entree to that world is a little different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not. T- I don't know what do what do what can the Jewish uh, understanding history, culture, language, and, and so on of the Jewish people. What does that tell us there about is her name? A, is Hadassah? I know that her name's Hadassah, uh, and her that's her Hebrew name. Was she of some lineage? Uh, yes, royal lineage. Yes, she, well? she's, she? okay. she's the niece of Mordecai, uh-huh. who is uh, from the tribe of Benjamin. Now, was he the cupbearer, or what? No. What role did he Mordecai had? He, he had some high administrative role, he right? He did, and one of the reasons he got important is because he at one time saved the king's life. That's right. I remember that. Uh huh. But, but even when he saved the king's life, it. He was he was already up there, some way connected to the palace and to the. Uh, what what role did he have when he did that? Was he, what job did he have when he saved the king's life? You know, I don't recall. Okay, folks, give us a call. Two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. That's your. Uh, let's 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 get this out. Uh, I know it's there somewhere. What. What job did Nehemiah, I'm not Nehemiah, Mordecai, and by the way, that's his Babylonian name. That is his his Babylonian name. name. Hmm. Now, here is, I hope you got your seatbelt on. Okay, okay. When they take the Jews into slavery, Uh they'd give them another name. That's right. In World War II, they gave them numbers branded on their arms. Uh The one thing is, and and through history, they'd actually come up with names. They'd give them names like Hoghead and that kind of stuff. Uh At any rate. So what happened is Esther, that her real name Hadassah. Is, is Hadassah, but she's called Esther. Uh-huh. Mordecai is Mordecai. And I will, I'll tell you his name in just a second here. But why Mordecai? What Babylonian god would that Mordok. be? Mordok. Uh, Mordok, huh? Mordok was a god. That's which right. was, was that so, Baal? Or? Uh, no, I don't think so. But that, Marduk. Marduk. Yes. Yeah. Marduk is actually, so Mordecai has actually been given the name of, like, Marduk rules I'll or be, something I'll like be. that. Yeah, yeah. Esther is given the name of Ishtar. Uh-huh, that's right. So these are names of these other gods. Was Ishtar the one that was written about, the uh, queen of the heavens or something like that? It, or is that a different uh, goddess or false god? Uh, you know, they, uh, under Jeremiah, they talked about the women said, we'll, we'll worship the queen of the heavens. You know, the, was that Ishtar? No, no. Ishtar was the uh, was the female consort she, of yes. uh, Baal. I guess. Yeah. Well, in the word, in, in the, and it's important to know that the word Baal or Baal, uh-huh. as uh-huh. I guess some folks say, it's, that doesn't, that's not actually a name of a god. No. That, that's the word master. Uh-huh. So when the, and later on in the New Testament it becomes Baal or Baal becomes Beelzebub. Beelzebub. It's Beelzebub. 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 Yeah, I like saying it the way I do. Beelzebub, <laughs> which actually means like Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies. And, now, and if yeah. you'll think this through for a minute, what the 
flies yes, circle around out into a cow pasture. Yes, I understand. I so was raised Jews, in West Texas. Yeah, so what they do is the Jews would give these, I'll say, less derogatory, than, yeah. derogatory less than flattering names to these other gods. So they're saying, oh, you guys are really, your god is like uh, the things that cows leave and out in the fields. Lord of the flies. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe you didn't know that, folks. Remember that, that novel that was written about some British youth that uh, their plane crashed on an island, and they it's about how they began, and it's called Lord of the Flies. And uh, 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 very it has that idea behind it. Well, anyway, uh, let's get uh, back to this. We're kind of catching up on, uh, I want you to tell us all you can about Esther, Mordecai, how these people that we're reading about, Nehemiah, Ezra, and so on, these are men and women who, uh, were functioning at a fairly high level. Many of them were part of the um, royal lineage, mm-hmm. and these are people that the the Babylonians and the Persians. Uh, th- their practice was to remove these people from their society and culture, uh, to have kind of a surgical operation so they couldn't have children, so they couldn't continue the royal lineage and all that sort of thing, and put them to use. Uh, in in their in their own palaces back there. That's what mm-hmm. Daniel did. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego. They were administrators for uh, regions, different regions of Persia, and so they would they would use these people at these levels. And so we have this fellow named Mordecai, and I can't remember what his. It seemed like he had some kind of a royal function. He was somehow working in the palace at some level. But, and he came to know about some plot to assassinate the emperor, and he uh, he exposed that plot, and uh, he was uh, later uh, he was rewarded with given a higher position of, of authority and of responsibility. And uh, actually, it seems like the emperor forgot about it, and then had to be reminded of that, and went and checked the books and the records. And saw that Mordecai, what Mordecai had done, and then he put him in charge of this man named Haman. Right. He had Haman read him, lead him around in a horse and be his herald and say, "This is yes. the great Mordecai." And and of course, this really ticked Haman off because he hated. He is a descendant of uh, Agath, this the king. Yes, that, Haman actually at the beginning of the story of Esther has Haman has a different name or title. Did you know that? It, no, I didn't. Yeah, look at chapter one. Okay. And you'll find his name in uh, verse 16. Esther, right? Uh, Oh, yes, it would be Esther, yes. Uh And also in verse 21. Esther chapter what? Say it again. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 16 and 21. Oh, so this is a different name. 16 says, Uh And Memukon answered before the king and the princes, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in the provinces of King Ahasuerus. Now, Ahasuerus is uh, Xerxes, another form of the word. But is that Memukan? Uh, yes. Memukan? Yeah. And that's kind of like a, a title that means uh, he was speaking the word of authority and prophecy, perhaps. Uh huh. He was a counselor, evidently. But it's to the actually king. Haman. Okay. So the advice he's given the king is coming from Haman from the start. And he's actually saying, you need to kill that woman because people hear of it, and then all the women will refuse to obey all the men in okay. your kingdom. Well, let's, tell, let's, de- let's describe the characters here that are, you, you've got the emperor, Ahasuerus, uh, which would be another word, another version of Xerxes or Artaxerxes, and that, that 
particular dynasty. And this fellow named Memucon, or, or who becomes uh, Haman, is uh, evidently a counselor to him. Vashti is the, the Persian queen. And uh, the practice was that Persians, when they went to war and battle, they some they would the king would call in his commanders, his leading uh, the leadership of his military, and they would have these long parties, you know, kind of drunken festivals, orgies. I mean, very, but but it was for two purposes. One, they were meeting to make battle plans and strategy and organization, but also, of course, to keep them entertained and motivated. They would uh, they would have they, it would be like a you know, a six-month or a year-long bash it sometimes in, as they were making, preparing for battle. It was the monster boss. Uh, the, the monster boss. And she was the monster boss. She, right? If you'd the, like to get that. That's right. <laughs> if you'd like to kind of, in your Bible, I assume it's the same. Uh-huh. Uh, if you look at chapter 2. Verse. 5, 6, and 7 here on the reading, that gives you who these characters are and their real names. In Shushan the citadel, there was a certain Jew whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, the son of Shemai, the son of Kish, a Benjamite. That he descended from uh, from the same lineage as Saul. Then there you go. Saul was uh, a Benjamite and, and uh, a son of Kish. Is mm-hmm. when you follow Kish yeah. back, you see his ancestor. Is- Kish had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captives who had been captured with Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away, and Mordecai had brought up. Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter. So Mordecai's uncle is Esther's father. So it's not Mordecai. So Mordecai was not her uncle. Mordecai. That oh oh no that is that is his uncle. He brought up Hadassah. As I understand it. He's not the biological father, but he raised her as his daughter. His uncle's daughter. Now, which I also want to point out something else. Did you catch in verse 6? But he was, wait a minute. Now, he he wasn't Esther's, okay. (laughs) See, I, 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 I was an orphan at a very early age, and I never have really gotten clearly understanding of all these it took me the longest time to learn the difference between a nephew and a and a and a cousin, because you know when you don't grow up around it all, you don't talk about and think about those things. You don't understand. I think now, they've had the same problem in Arkansas. I'm not sure. <laughs> quiet, quiet. Now Mordecai had brought up had, Mordecai had brought up Hadassah, that is Esther. Mordecai oh. Esther is the, was Mordecai's uncle's there, daughter. Uh-huh, uh-huh. For she had neither father nor mother. the very last sentence of that verse. The young woman was lovely and beautiful, for her father and mother died. When her father and mother died, Mordecai, who was their nephew. Does this say nephew in your version? No, no, it doesn't. But it does say. Read on. It says Mordecai took her and raised her as his own daughter. I know that. I I got that. But the people listening don't know that. Oh, I see. I'm trying to figure out what was Mordecai's relation. Relationship to Esther's father. Uh, Esther's father was his uncle. Yes. Wow. So what does that make him to her? Um, I am my own grandpa. (laughs) Oh, it's in there somewhere, folks. You'll have to figure that out. But anyway, when her father and mother died, then Mordecai took her as his own daughter. And so he 
evidently, well, my goodness, this is so interesting because the, in one of these drunken orgy parties or even year-long type parties that they were having, the king called upon Vashti, his wife, to come and appear, uh, to make an appearance at at, at the party, yep. to come into the palace. And you've made it clear to us it was what really was happening. He was trying he, to have her come in unclothed. And, right. He said... Come wearing your crown. That's a cryptic statement. In other words, nothing but your, your crown. crown. And and um, and so she refused to be so treated uh, unworthily and undisrespectfully. And and he got all mad at her. Uh, this is great for us to talk about here in this time of women's liberation and, and power to the woman. You know, this she Vashti was a. Strong woman. I'm not going to do that. I had respect for herself, but so whatever. I guess you would say that. And so uh, the king, like most men, was sort of going to give in to that. But this guy named Haman here says, oh, wait a minute. You, know, you shouldn't let her get away with that because if she does that, all of the wives across the kingdom will start acting that way. They'll start being disrespectful and not obeying their husbands. And so uh, it kind of pushes him, his, you know, his uh, macho buttons and gets him to make a proclamation that she's no longer queen and, do, and, and I'm going to choose a new queen and that's where they have the, the beauty contest uh, that is kind of we think of Esther was became queen because she won the national uh, Miss Persia con- and do you know one of the topics that really goes on in the, the very deep and technical conversations of the book of Esther is did they have a, a swimming suit competition almost, as part of this? Uh, almost, but it has no, to do with, was there a proper marriage? Was she actually ever married to this guy? He's certainly not Jewish. They certainly did not have a Jewish wedding. Interesting. So she is being treated as more or less a concubine. So, but in spite of all that derogatory stuff that's always discussed about her, and there's different points of view... But the point is, she had no choice. But instead, instead of being in that role, she actually still saves the Jews. And because of that, there is a, a holiday that's totally 100% rabbinical. It is not biblical. It's rabbinical. Purim. That's right. And that's what I call a Jewish Halloween. Purim, I guess. It yeah, that's right. it. And you know what that means, right? Uh, the dice, the casting of the lots, the casting of the lots. Yeah. So, but the, and everybody dresses up because they cast lots to get that date that yeah. they were going to kill all the Jews. Haman, Haman yeah. cast the lots, and he actually cast the lots, and he ends up, and he does it many times till he gets the date he wants. You know, we all do that. <laughs> I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna give you 16 chances. I'm gonna bottom put my finger on a verse, and when you, you when you finally get the one right, God, that's the one. We're Best going three out of five. No, let's make it four out of seven. No, let's go to five out of nine. <laughs> so, so Haman d- rolls the dice. You know, uh-huh. the, that's what it's about, and he uh, he la- he lands on what is Moses's date of death. Oh. And that's how they selected it. Because he said, if Moses, this great guy, Moses died, that's when we should kill the Jews. Now, what he failed to know, that was also Moses' day of birth. Ah, <laughs> uh, so old point. So, but what's fascinating is Haman is a descendant of a king that was King Saul, uh-huh. Benjamite, in the Bible, was supposed to kill. And he didn't. Samuel ended up killing him. 
But Haman is a descendant of that king. Wow, yeah. And then this guy, um, Mordecai, is a descendant of, I mean, he's a descendant of Saul. The other guy, Haman, is a descendant of the, the bad king. Agath. Agath, uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, and isn't the, that amazing? So, see, they meet again, and this story gets this kind of see. It's it's kind of a foreign concept to uh, to like modern mo- American modern readers. Uh huh. But what we got is the descendant still meeting up is as if they're meeting. I'll give you an example. Is that some part of that cycles thing that you mentioned yes. last week? Yeah. Yes. So one of the uh, one of the other examples is that people don't think about very much is this: Jacob's coming back to Israel. He runs into Esau. Esau says, "Hey, I'll go with." He says, "No, no, no." Jacob says, "We'll meet again." They do meet again. Do you know? And you know where, right? No. Where it's their descendants. Esau's descendant is Herod in Jerusalem, but Jacob is the ancestor, and Jesus was the descendant of, of Jacob. The Messi- yeah, of the Messianic So lineage, they yeah. do, in a sense, meet again. Uh, I get it. What a what an amazing thing. Well, we're going to come back. We're just having to, um, our first segment is just about over, but let's continue our talk about Esther, about this amazing situation where this, this girl comes out of seemingly nowhere. Uh, she's... Uh, here we are, Father's Day, where she has no mother and father. She's an orphan gal and raised by this, whatever that relationship is, her uncle's somebody, more, raised by them and their family, and somehow brought up into the royal family of Persia, made the queen of Persia. But you're, like you said, there's no marriage. She's not more like a concubine. But but why? Why is she there? Why? Is all this some now, weird thing? One of the keys of this entire book is what? Uh, one of the keys of the entire book. The entire it, book has a particular message. Ding, ding, ding. For ding, such ding, a time ding, as this, ding, ding, maybe. Ding. That's the. We'll call that the introduction to the important. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So, if anybody knows what's so important about the book of Esther, they could call in if they want. That's great. And you could say, what is the theme of this book? I'd like to hear that, folks. Give us a call, 340-9585. Does that mean you're going to actually That's let people talk on the air, though, Sophie? Or? I, I, might. <laughs> I might. I just might. <laughs> Even John's <laughs> laughing right yeah. now. <laughs> well, why not? We should all be laughing. We should laugh more in life. That's what it's all about. Enjoy. Well, listen, there is our music. We are on our way out. Uh, a song called Just the Way I Am. We will be coming back to discuss about the book of Esther. We want to know if any of you can tell us what is the actual primary theme. Would you call it the primary yes, message yes. or theme yeah. of the book of Esther? Uh, if you can do that, give us a call, 340-9585. That's our local number. The area code is 210 210- Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and uh, don't go away at all. We'll just yeah, stay around. Stay we'll in. be right back. The calls are coming in. All right, take care, folks. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. 
Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. God never gives up on his love and purposes for our lives. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by Monica Brands. Monica writes, Well, I got myself into this mess, so I better get myself out, I sometimes find myself thinking. Although I believe in a God of grace, I'm still prone to act as if his help is available only when I deserve it. God's first encounter with Jacob is a beautiful illustration of how untrue this is. Jacob had spent a lifetime trying to alter his destiny. He'd been born second at a time when firstborn sons typically receive their father's blessing, believed to guarantee future prosperity. So Jacob decided to do whatever it would take to get his father's blessing anyway. Eventually, he succeeded, through deceit, obtaining the blessing intended for his brother. But the price was a divided family, as Jacob fled from his furious brother. As night descended, Jacob must have felt as far from a life of blessing as ever. But it was there, leaving behind a trail of deception, that Jacob met God. God showed him he didn't need desperate schemes to be blessed. He already was. His destiny, a purpose far greater than material prosperity, was held securely by the one who would never leave him. It was a lesson Jacob would spend his whole life learning. And so will we. No matter how many regrets we carry or how distant God seems, he is still there gently guiding us out of our mess into his blessing. You can help us spread the good news to those who need it. Share Our Daily Bread with your friends and family on Facebook and Twitter. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries. Daily devotionals, community events, audio from your favorite ministries, and timely articles for the Christian family. All in one place. AM630theword.com. That's AM630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olszewski. Thanks for listening to Plugged In. John Mendes and R&B artist Khalid have teamed up on the single, Youth, to declare that in spite of the heartbreaking things in the news, destructive forces in our world won't win. Fear has a loud voice, the artists say, yet there is hope. If we join together in unity, speaking boldly against fear, and agreeing that we won't let it turn into hate, then we have the power to move forward and protect the innocence of youth. You can't take my youth away. That's a solid message from an album that isn't always so praiseworthy. So I'm giving the track, Youth, a four and a half out of five for family friendliness. For the full review of this song, be sure to visit us at PluggedIn.com slash radio. I'm Bob Olszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. of the father's love we are dear we're part we're always in the in the father's eyes a great great song from the past i know that's an older song john where'd you find that one that's it seemed like it's a, a lot of years ago he got a secret stash of these somewhere well happy father's day by the way everybody uh for all you dads out there happy father's day i hope you're enjoying the day that you've been uh, enjoy the time with uh, your children, gotten phone calls or whatever is needed. Uh, I know I have had a wonderful time. And, of course, uh, as we worked out at Lackland and our work with the basic trainees there. We have many of the parents and family members of the trainees come to celebrate once they've uh, finished their basic military training to be empty uh, experienced. Then they, they graduate and become part of the United States Air Force. And m- many of moms and dads, uncles and aunts, grandpa, grandma, cousins, nephews, and all. Family members, loved ones, sweethearts, wives, and so they come out to, and we get a chance to meet many of them as well, and, and have a a little encouragement uh, in their lives as well. It's just a remarkable day. But today was very special Father's Day. A lot, a lot of these dads hadn't seen their sons in two months as they were in training, and they were kind of. That's part of the stress of basic training is that you're you're separated from home and family, and and uh, maybe many times for the first time with these young men and women. And uh, just makes uh, this special special Sunday for us to see some of them get to be reunited today after a good while. But anyway, we are back. This is the Bible Live, and we're talking about this young lady named Esther or Hester. Uh, you're going to continue well, that thought? Yeah. And the question Esther? we put out there for folks was, right. what was the central theme? What right. is the... The primary lesson yep. that we are supposed to gather and get from this book of Esther. We know the story. And She's supernaturally chosen. She herself, I think it was Mordecai that says, but for, the, but for you know, what is it, what's the thing about this well, time? Uh, yeah. For this time, you, you were chosen for this time, for this moment. Right. Uh, to and he also tells her, if you choose not to do it. God also, or he doesn't say God, but somebody else. Somebody else, yeah. Okay, but and you about stumbled into that thing you said. I did, but we do have a caller, and he wants to answer that question. Okay, let's see. I I bet he can too. I I suspect. Well, uh, John is telling us what line he's on. We got the smartest listeners on the planet, and he's oh New Jersey. God heavens, what a mess! Oh Uh, boy, I tell you, New Jersey is that the idea? New Jersey is home to. Arguably the worst gun laws in the country. I could make the case oh, that New Jersey is worse than California had it not. Just a second. Let me see. How did I do that? Well, uh, I don't know, Sophie, but uh, it was intriguing. No. We're going to get to you, Bob. Don't give up on us. We're doing a little technical problem there. We've uh, we've gotten into our sister station's programming here for, for the moment. Um, I, I thought Bob was talking to me about New Jersey. I thought, well, what does New Jersey have to do with I thought he was Esther? talking to somebody else. I thought he called in two different shows. Huh? He did, actually. That was uh, our sister station over there going on. We'll come back, and maybe we can talk to uh, – we'll try to talk with, with Bob. 
if we can. Shall we try it? Okay. Uh, is he on hold yeah. or on air? All right. Bob, are you there? Hello. Can you get? Can you hear me now? Yeah, yes. we can hear you now. You're not talking about. All right. You're not talking about gun laws anymore, right? Okay. What kind of a cell phone are you using? No. <laughs> I think it's an Alcatel. My sister bought it for me. I, my sister. My sister. I. I always feel like I'm being. I'm. I'm left all alone. I feel like the. Uh, so many times I feel like the uh, Samaritan uh, laying by the road. In, in uh, on the road to, to Jericho, right? And and I and I feel like nobody nobody care. I feel like people just walk around the other side of the road from me. Well, but uh, I but I must say, mm-hmm. but I must say, my sister uh, my sister bought me this Alcatel phone. My phone was was bashed up, and I couldn't I couldn't see the display. And she said, "I'll buy you a phone." And she pulls a hundred dollars out and buys me a phone. And uh, uh, last that was last December. She came in town for a trial that we had, and she had to testify. She came all the way from the north of Seattle. Oh my god! And and uh, and and, uh, and we we sat down a little bit. I, I, we don't have much contact, but lo and behold, she really helped me out. She helped me out on my property taxes. Uh, her, hus- her husband, her husband did, and uh, all of a sudden she says, uh, "Well, we're going to go." She just uh, takes me by the hand and says, we're going to go down to T-Mobile and get you a phone. And I said, no, no, you don't have to do that. My phone works good. I just don't have a display. Uh-huh. And and and, uh, and uh, she said, no, we're going to get you a phone. She, pour, she pay, pays $100 out of her pocket. So, so I mean, so, somebody didn't leave me uh, laying by the road. But, uh, I, I, but, but I feel I feel like I'm laying by the road sometimes. And, uh, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I, 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 the, uh, the, uh, the uh, sermon that uh, we, or one of the songs that the, one of the worships that I went to on uh, Sabbath was uh, Seventh Day uh-huh. was uh, had to do with Psalm One, and I I said you know we really have to based on Psalm One we really have to cut the the Pharisees a break when uh-huh. we say oh when they're looking down their nose and saying uh, oh he's eating with sinners. Really, uh, the, the, if you read Psalm one kind of strictly, uh, kind of on the on its face value, yeah, uh, you, you you make this discernment between uh, don't 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 be with scoffers and don't sit with sinners. Uh-huh, uh huh. Yeah. So you kind of you kind of have to you kind of have to cut them a break on on their interpretation. But their interpretation was they were looking at it from from a from a a perspective that was. Uh, Holier than thou, shall we say? Uh, some people use the expression Prideful. rather than rather than from the perspective of hey, hey maybe I'm that sinner, and yeah. maybe I'm the one who needs to who needs to watch out that uh, the Messiah wouldn't come and sit with me, or uh, or uh, I, I. In other words, I, I I never looked at the until some things happened to me in the last few years. I never looked at the the Samaritan uh, parable there. I, I never looked. I looked at it like, oh, I, I don't want to be as the Levite. I don't want to be as the priest who, who, who ignored this man. I want to help someone in trouble. And then I then I saw, oh no, no, I'm not. I'm not that man. I'm the one who's laying by the road. Yeah. Well, look and, what it says. And, 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 so that people will know what you're talking about. Let me read that. It says Psalm one says, "Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, who." nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And you're saying, well, there's a case yeah. that seems to be made here for for not, you know, getting alongside some, the ungodly or, you know, to not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, 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 the way I read I the see. scriptures, 
the, the way I read the scriptures is sometimes certain, particularly the Psalms, certain ones are what we call messianic uh-huh. Psalms. Uh-huh. And, and this is, I don't think this is necessarily viewed as a messianic Psalm. And certain passages that Moses has, I view as messianic passages when it says the man or a man. That one man, that a man and that one man is is messiah if you if you ex, if start doing some extrapolating uh-huh. uh, because we all fail everybody just fails 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 in 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 not in every point but in certain points we all We're come sure. up short and then apparently there's going to be a Mashiach who is not going to come up short hey bob uh, can you hear me yeah, Bob, I, I, I want to turn, ask you, you. turn your radio off one because yeah. we're getting an echo. Oh, back. Yeah. Ooh, my radio, my radio's off. Oh, okay, okay. Maybe, maybe he's just saying things twice. Maybe it's that new phone that he has. Oh, uh, Bob, uh, I was going to ask you something. Why do you think the story you're referring to? Why does he pick? He says a Levite goes by, and this other guy goes by, but he says a Samaritan comes by and helps guy. Why does he pick a Samaritan? Well. I, I think the uh, the Christians kind of take a all of a sudden they they try and educate us. Uh, many of the Christian ministers try and educate us and say, "Oh, they were they were blood they were a blood enemy of the Jews." Not really. They were, but there was kind of a uh, there were some differentiations were being made because the Samaritans were mixing uh, paganism with. Uh, well, let's, let's, with, uh, let, with, let me, let me suggest this. He's giving you the example, the Levite and whoever, and he's saying, what he's saying is, is, look, these guys know God's law, that you're supposed to help somebody. That's what, God, right. that's what the God's laws are. And here comes a Samaritan, and he's a pagan. He doesn't believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't even have that religion. And yet he does the correct action. That's what's really going on, because the Samaritans did not believe in the God of the Bible. Right. So uh, what, they, he still they, saw the right thing and, to do, in other and he words, did it. Yeah. And, and this is interesting, because in Jewish thought, you do not have to be Jewish and based on what you believe, or even born that way. Doctrinally, theologically, uh, right. necessarily. But what is required of every human being is to do the right thing. So mm-hmm. here's a pagan who did the right thing. And so, and I, I must say, and I know that people don't think about this, and that's okay, but sometimes when I see, like, you know, hospitals called uh, the Good Samaritan, and I'm not saying something bad, so save your cards and letters. But um, what I'm saying is, is I, sometimes I am amused, I'm thinking, yeah, they're saying, yeah, we're pagans here, but we do the right thing. <laughs> right. And, and, and I think Xerxes, uh, I swear us, had had a a bone in himself where he he really wanted to do the right thing on a number of times, but I, certainly it was a misogynistic uh, era yeah. in which you know you could just have, call your call your wife in and say oh take off your clothes for the boys here, uh, uh, so it, w- it wasn't right. But still, he tried to help help uh, Mordecai when he found he had to sleep. Uh, he was. Uh, he couldn't sleep, so he read the records, and he read how Mordecai helped him out. And he said, "Well, we didn't, we didn't, we never rewarded him." So, what uh, is the let's main? Make, thing. Let's make what's, sure we, what is different I, I think, uh, about what's different about the I've Book of t- Esther than uh-huh. the other what, books in the Bible? Uh-huh. What I've been taught is that the name, which is very, very important, the name, it's in the first commandment, 
is very important. And for some reason, it's not in the book of Esther. And the book of Esther teaches us how to uh, deal with things when it seems as if uh, Adonai or uh, the Lord, uh, Yahweh, yeah. has has withdrawn. It, it tries to show you how to deal with these situations and that there will be times that appear like this. I've read Deuteronomy 4, and I believe I can see the Holocaust in Deuteronomy 4, and uh, because it said there'll be the destruction of destructions after the uh, people are scattered, uh, after uh, the family of Israel is scattered. But, but let's stick, this, this is kind of focus of destructions, on, and it, let's keep, and it Bob, let's focus time. on what we're but, talking but Esther, about, okay? Esther, Esther, Esther is a reflection of the Holocaust. Uh-huh. It seems as if the, uh, the, uh, the Almighty has withdrawn, and this is what the New York Times was saying. Uh, what Elie Wiesel was saying, where, where, where is our God? Where is our God? What's what's going on? Yeah. And 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 uh, it was seeming like this was happening in the Book of Esther. And part of that understanding is because the name, as you mentioned, the name of well, God is never mentioned in the text. Well, right? let's, it, actually, not just the name. Bob actually did get it correct. Bob did great. What? Because uh, it doesn't mention the name of God, but it doesn't say God. So what's missing there is only. Uh, the uh, the God is not mentioned yet. Esther does the right thing. Would you agree with that, Bob? Yes, uh-huh. and uh, he, he challenges her. And I and I kind of like Soapy's. Uh, uh, Soapy has come to what they call. And I went to Bible school. Uh, we call it a key a key passage. He came to a key passage at a time yeah. such as this. That is a key passage in the book. So you you got you can't knock Soapy. <laughs> for for his reply. Thank you. I needed uh, that, Bob. A time, a time such as this that, that is really a, a snappy turn yeah, of a yeah, phrase. Yeah. It really, book. it really was. And it, yeah, but but for such a time as this, you have been this. Here's this. I don't know if you'd really call her a country gal or so, but but essentially someone who's of no essential importance, uh, kind of comes out of nowhere. Her parents are dead. I mean, she's orphaned. She's taken in by this uh, her uncle's uh, nephew, I guess. Uh, Why the, do you think her the, parents are dead? Oh, that's a good thought. <laughs> because the Babylonians, when they conquered them, killed them. Oh, I bet so. So, yeah. so what we got here is, and and what's interesting is, we know Esther's after Ishtar, but if you add an H in Hebrew, the letter English letter H to Esther, Bob, do you know what that's pronounced? Hester. Do you know what that means? I don't. Go ahead. Okay. It means hidden. In other words, hidden in these scriptures is the hand of God or God himself, even though he's not overtly said. So things you do, things you may help somebody on or whatever things you do, you're really kind of doing it and God is kind of functioning through you. Wonderful truth. Every time you look at nature, you just walk around any of these parks or even just walk by a roadside, you can see he, he's everywhere and all this, this stuff he's created. That's right. All, even these little wildflowers, it's just unbelievable. Uh, the, it's, just un, uh, it's just amazing, the creation. And That's I don't right. think this, thing, this stuff could have evolved. I think it was designed. Yeah. And, I, and somehow that makes me an un, unscientific. <laughs> I, I consider myself like that guy in the, in the San Antonio paper. I don't know if he is in there anymore, but. 
they call they call him the country scientist. And once in a while, he would do a study, and he would say, you know, I drove around town with my with my uh, thermostat, and I, I I drive by a green space, and the the temperature's five degrees lower than if I drive by a heat island, or ten degrees lower than if I drive by a heat island. So gl- global warming can be really tricked up. If you measure the temperature by the heat islands, uh, you know it's. Uh, he's he kind of had a tongue-in-cheek yeah, shot there yeah, yeah. At, at the at the at what's uh, what's going on. For instance, I I got a letter from the IRS that it indicated, and I don't blame them because they're just putting the congressional uh, terms in there. But it said because I forgot to check a box about uh, the health care, I it said that it's not you're not doing the shared responsibility. You're not doing the shared responsibility. And I, I, I sent him the form and I said, no, no, I was covered. I just forgot to check the box. I'm sorry. <laughs> and, and, and in other words, they're accusing you, if you don't have the health insurance, they're accusing you of not being responsible yeah. and they charge now you a thousand dollars Pronounce the IRS and, as and, a word, Bob. And, <laughs> ERS. No, Ers? Iris. <laughs> Iris. It's your eye. They're watching you. The people that yeah. put those acronyms together, they're very smart. <laughs> anyway, I was going to tell you, here's the verse that Bob, that Soapy was referring to. Yeah. It's in chapter 4, verse 14. And uh, actually, 13, 14. Do you want to read it? Do you want me to read it? Co- you go ahead. It's a conversation right. between uh, Mordecai and yes. Esther, right? Uh, thir- for, chapter 4, 13 and 14. Then Mordecai is, uh, told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you will... Let, let, let me say goodbye to Bob real quick because okay, I'm still sure. getting that echo and I'm afraid. Okay. Right, uh, Bob, thanks for calling okay. in. We really appreciate hearing from you. Uh, let's go ahead because okay. so, I, be I wasn't able to understand. That's okay. No problem. Uh, okay, so uh, in 13, then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not imagine that you are in the king's palace can't escape any more than the other Jews. 14. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. Isn't that an exciting Wait, let expression? Me let me finish the bonus but point. In, but isn't that an exciting expression of faith? God's going to come, even if you don't, God's going to come through. Well, the, the famous line that we've all had laminated for our wallets tonight, you cut me go, off. Go huh? ahead, go ahead. We'll get there. Uh, the, the last line is, and who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this. Wow. Yeah. Well, now, that, that's, that's an expression of faith. Yeah, it is. And uh, but but say but if you don't do it, if you yeah. remain silent, if you don't take this opportunity that God obviously put in your, he'll find another way because yeah. God is going to take care of His people. I, that's an amazing thing. I, mean, I remember one time uh, someone asked C.S. Lewis about uh, what, and what if uh, this hadn't happened, or what if the, you know that didn't. He said, "Well, God would just do an even greater work of grace, <laughs> an even greater." That our we can imagine uh, if if it but it, but it did you know it did work but um, well and that's the amazing that's thing faith, of course yeah. there is something here that we can't overlook that Mordecai is saying look you're not going to escape they're going to find out more um, Haman's going to tell them that you're a Jewish descendant mm-hmm. you're going to get nailed too but God will somehow raise up some way but he doesn't say the word God of course. Uh-huh. But and I do see what Bob was talking about. In a certain sense, it's talking. It can be alluded to because it was uh, going to be a Holocaust, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, without a doubt. Yeah. And so here's one of the interesting things in World War II. One of the reasons that uh, the Jews didn't fight back is they 
many of them, especially the religious leaders, they sometimes, some of them would say things like, we, uh, um, we know that God will not let this happen. So all we got to do is wait for God. Well, unfortunately, perhaps the rest of the story of Esther was relevant because Esther acted. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But anyway. We don't want to miss our opportunity to be a part of God's solution. That's, that's, uh, I, I, God is going to win. The victory is ours. We, we, uh, we're in the battle, but we're battling from the from a perspective of victory. Already won, but we're determining what are, what role are we going to have? What how are we going to be involved? This is our only moment. This is these forty, fifty, sixty, seventy years that each of us live. That's our only chance to be a part of what God is doing in our world. And and to and to pour our heart and soul and everything into it to be wh- all that God wants us to be. Each of us in our place, each of us in uh, our particular role, and, uh, and that's the ex- that's one of the things that makes me so excited. Uh, that motivates me as a human being in my life because just to be a part and to be faithful in my time in my era. Nobody knows my name. I mean, you know, only to the level of the opportunities I've had, uh, but. So it's not like I'm in competition with anybody, but it's just it's our only chance. Have you ever thought about it? Jacob? You're, you're you're this is your moment. This is your time to shine. This is your you are doing well, what I God called do, the, I, I listen, you I, and the Jewish people to do. Let me just say yeah. this: I, uh, as we know, I've got something off de- deciding if they're going to take it or not. Mm-hmm. But let's face it: I could not have made that contact and that accomplishment but for you, because I didn't have the contact. You did. Well, we'll see so what comes of it. So I would think it. it's probably... More, but I didn't write the book. But I think <laughs> it's did. probably more relevant to say, um, perhaps they brought you for a time such as this. I hope so. I'm praying that way myself. Yeah, uh, so Jacob's, why don't we jump over to Corinthians real quick? Okay, let's let's do that. Uh, is there anything else about Esther, though, that we might want to mention? We've we've talked about these details. We've talked about the background with Agath. And if, if, if Saul had done his job way back then that... You know, maybe they wouldn't have been facing this challenge here, and if, uh, and so on. Uh, there's so much to learn from that book. Um, and Purim, you know, the casting of lots for that day—that's that that holiday oh, you mentioned. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I don't know if you want to. Uh, What's that? Uh, where's the? Uh, I closed my book on Esther. Oh, here's a here's the verse. Uh, oh, oh, well, that's not the verse. Okay, listen to this. Listen to this. Chapter three, verse seven. Uh-huh. Uh huh. When he's uh, he's. Uh, he's casting lots. It says in the first month, which is the month of Nisan, the twelfth year of King Asherus, Per, which is the lot, that is the lot, was cast bef- before Haman. Now listen to the rest. From day to day, from month to month. In other words, he just kept going until he got the date he wanted. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's there's a, there's so much in these texts uh, that you bring my attention to that I read through it and I don't catch it because of not knowing the language, not knowing the names, not making the connections uh, behind them. And that, well, that actually, is so exciting. It's interesting. Of course, we know at the end, Haman, his uh, him and his sons, they all get hung. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well. 
Uh, you want me to tell the story? Yes, do. Okay. Well, I tell you what. Let's save it because you're going to get cut off by the clock here, and we'll well that might be we'll, we'll uh, make that, that might be an example of good taste. Though. That's a that's a good tease, no, to move it for you. There is another. There's another chapter to the story, just as the uh, the time of uh, and Bob brought Mordecai up, and, and and Haman here is has been. We've already seen that story kind of played out with Samuel and, and this this uh, uh, this king. Uh, what, what was the people group um, that they were? The Malachites. The Malachites, yeah. And, and so we see that if they had done their job, this would have been avoided. But now here we have it and again. And that here. was in the past, as you well point yeah. out. And, and now and we have a modern. Uh, uh, in the future, yes. Uh, a modern uh, example of that as well in the time of uh, so, Hitler and the, uh, the Nazi regimes. So... Uh, we'll come back and talk about how that was. Yeah. Uh, that's and, a great and then, story. And you're we do tell. need to jump over the curtain. And then we'll, we'll get into the book of 1 Corinthians. Thanks for being with us tonight, folks. This is The Bible Live. We're talking about uh, the, this book of books, the, going through it every year. We're moving from uh, Nehemiah now to Esther. And then we'll spend some time now in the books of First and Second Corinthians in the New Testament. So I uh, hope that you'll stay with us and uh, bring your questions, your observations, your thoughts as well. We'd love to hear from you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Don't go away. We'll be right back on this Father's Day version of the Bible Life. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar? Good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're the good, good, good father. That's uh, the aim and objective of all of us as God's people uh, and our families that we be faithful to. Uh, Point our children faithfully to our heavenly Father. The the uh, God's that uh, we're of the forever family. He is our heavenly Father. You know, I, I was thinking about that today, Jacob. That it's so interesting to me that out of all the names and titles that God could choose, uh, and, and the Bible is full of he, he he's called he's uh, there are a number of titles and names and functions that God has mentioned in his he's the good shepherd, uh, you know, our guardian that sort of thing, but. In the New Testament, of course, we see Messiah himself talking about the idea that that God, the Father, and, and I thought I've thought about that a lot. Being an orphan myself, it's always meant a lot to me that God is my Father. You know, if you don't have a dad, you can't do much better than the God of the universe, right? And uh, but then on the other hand, now that I am a dad myself, it just it has 
it, it it occurred to me how what a what an incredible blessing, what an encouragement, what a compliment it was for God to take on the name of Father because it raises our function. You know, you, you know, you have those those daughters, and you've got that grandchild, and and I've got my. It, it raises our function uh, as dads, as fathers, head of family, and so on. Uh, in some ways, I think the fact that God chose the the role of father to characterize, in some ways, his relationship to us, it, it's kind of a compliment to our role uh, as fathers of a family. So I, I took that as a real encouragement as well. So uh, anyway, uh, I don't know if you... Uh, oh, yeah. Here, John's been trying to show you something. Oh, what's John trying to show me? John, what John, are you trying show. to show me? Abba, thank you, John. That's really a good reminder. And, uh, and whose name do you recognize those first couple letters to be in? The father of many nations. Uh, yes, Abraham. Abra, Abra, Abra. That's where he got his name from, you know. How? Well, how about that? Yeah. Father. See that? It's a great theme for Father's Day. Well, let's, let's make a quick jump. I know we have a caller online, but I want to make a, we need to make a quick jump here from our consideration of Esther and Nehemiah and Esther. And so we want to get back and at least get started in our considerations of the book of First and Second Corinthians, this letter that Paul wrote to um, this this particular city, the believers in this city. The the remarkable thing about Corinth that I would mention is that it was it was like trying to I, I guess it was almost like riding to Sodom and Gomorrah in a like way. Like trying to organize earthworms. <laughs> <laughs> Corinth was really a very perverse, very for a couple of reasons. One, it was a, a major port city, which is those kind of places are famous for. Uh, the, I think they discovered over a thousand brothels uh, in, in archaeological digs in Corinth. That was just it was just. Full of, of, of immorality and that sort of thing. For that reason, one well, of the and reasons, much of the religion embodied that. And then there's the other one: is that, that there were major, there were several major pagan temples uh, yeah. worship. I've forgotten prostitution. Yeah, yeah and, and they involved as well the temple prostitution. And you got to so say that just putting it on a scale, that uh, you know, the Christians had at one point in Christian history, you know, they actually did. Uh, the Catholic Church did anyway, did away with the cross because it was like saying, yeah, become a Christian, get nailed to a cross. So on the balance of things, you got to say if you join our temple, we have prostitutes. <laughs> I mean, there's a balance of this is something to include the enticement, you know. I think so, but I'm not sure it's the right kind of No, it. <laughs> it's not, but you can see the yeah. recruitment. Uh, oh, I actually can see The yeah. recruitment devices, it seems to be a lot better than that, the cross. That, it, you know? it could Exactly right, but that's that's what was going on, and that's why Corinth was such a, a, a an amazing setting for a group of people to to choose righteousness, to choose godliness, to choose uh, purity, uh, and, and to attempt to follow after God and His laws and His ways and trust in His Savior. and And uh, you could see they they had a tremendous struggle because they were they were right in the white. White hot, white hot core of worldliness, of, of perversion, of, of paganism, and so on. And so they had a lot of struggles, the people of Corinth did. Uh, Paul actually wrote, I believe, if I am not mistaken, 
It was three or four letters, I think, he wrote to them. We only have the two that have been preserved That's for us. That's what I understand. But yeah. there, it refers to another couple of letters that he wrote to them uh, in this one. But um, so, so here he is writing to this very problematic church. Uh, he himself had been... Uh, Active in forming, he visited Corinth, he helped establish the church and build it, and so he had a very intimate relationship with the people, very knew them personally. Uh, what was that, that Jewish couple that Anna and uh, are you talking about Priscilla and Aquila? Priscilla, yeah, yeah, and they they were there in, in uh, Corinth, he had met them. And spent time with them. So this is this is a church that means so very much to Paul, and yet to another extent, that there was a great pain to him. They were they had a lot of problems, moral problems, and and doctrinal problems, and understandings, and uh, kind of they were torn through you know this leader and this leader and that leader. So they were kind of have a cult of personalities going on there as well. That's one reason we see Paul in the opening chapters in the opening. Uh, chapter of Cor- of Corinthians, he mentions uh, he me- how many times he mentions ten time ten times in the first ten verses of the letter he mentions Jesus <laughs> to clarify who who all the teachers and preachers should emphasize. You know there was this competition of Apollos and Paul and this teacher and that teacher, but Paul makes a point there ten times in the first ten verses he mentions Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. It's all about Messiah. It's all about uh, we are His people, and so uh, that that's a little bit of an intro to what we're going to read about in the uh, the letter to the Corinthians. You want to jump over and, and visit? Well, you want to add something to what? Oh uh, no, no. If you wanted to grab, it's up to you if you want to grab Harold. Okay, let's get over and grab Harold and uh, hear from him. Harold, Harold is on the line. Thank you for joining us tonight, Harold. Happy Father's Day. Well, thank you very much. You Happy to you. be here. You I need someone to talk to. All right. Um, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think sometimes I feel like I'm not going back to Bible study until we start the uh, book of Revelations. Uh, that's where I'm at with it sometimes. It's so frustrating. But, you know, you mentioned First uh, Corinthians, and I've been reading a verse in there all week long, the same one, but it started out in Matthew chapter 22, verse, verse uh, 29. And incidentally, my sister Betty, you remember her. Uh, yeah. She uh, called the show a few times, and she's up in, oh, that's a, Somewhere up there by New Mexico was with her husband and some lady friends, and they were discussing. They couldn't think of the name because I always say the Soapy Dollar Show, and I had to, it's the Bible Live. Uh-huh. And so, anyway, some apparently some there's a couple of ladies that listen to your show up there. I'm, I'm not sure how many, but uh, oh, so great. It, yeah. So anyway, I was trying to find you know, a you way. Know, you know, that's Apache Go ahead. Apache territory. So that, that <laughs> there's more than a couple. Thank I you. bet you. <laughs> Well, I got a horse story, too. My mother got mad at me, but um, uh, my mother locked herself out of the house a week ago. My son had just come by with his fiance, so Mama wanted me to open up the door for her. So just when we get to the house, we see a horse coming down the street without any, uh, well, with no one on it. So we left Mama there, the hot son, and we had to call 911 and... You know, chase down the horse, and then we went to Mama. They must have had you know. a big net here in San Antonio. 
Yeah, right down the street on Ansley and <laughs> commercial with about Bud Jones. And it took her a week to get mad at me. It took her a week to get mad at me, but she did. Texas. (laughs) Horses in the Yeah. All right. But I was trying to find a way. I was was trying to find a way. And, uh, you know, because, you know, we know each other down here. And you remember that, that, um, that place in the Bible, you know, where they're trying to ask Jesus, whose wife is she going to be in heaven? Uh And I found this, you know, in the... In the uh, Bible, it says, uh, uh, Matthew twenty two twenty nine. 29, Jesus replied. And actually, when I read it to Betty, she said, who? And I said, Jesus, several times. And she goes, who? Betty, don't you know Jesus Christ? She goes, yes, but I can't believe you're saying it. And so I said, uh, you're, you're mistaken. Jesus is saying this. You're mistaken. No, your mistake is not. No, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. Now, that got me more than the first part. You don't know the power of God. So to me, that means there's something else going on that maybe we're not going to know. But when you turn to First uh, Corinthians, like I'm trying to say, uh, chapter 13, verse 12, I think there's some kind of a possible, maybe an, an answer for that. It, it says now, now we see things in perfectly like uh, like a puzzle reflecting in in the mirror, but then we we will see everything with perfect clarity. All, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but my vision is messed up tonight. But then. I will know everything completely, just as God know now knows me completely. So it seems like mm, yeah. when we get to heaven, you know that song reminds me of that song. What a yeah. day of rejoicing it will be! Remember that. When but, we all uh, get to heaven, yeah, mm. yeah. Remember that song? Yeah, I, yeah. I grew up with that. But um, so it seems like when we do get to heaven, of course we're not going to have wives. But I think Betty said that there was a verse in the Bible, and I looked it up, you know, with uh, some research. She goes, oh, hell, everybody's going to know everybody. And I thought that was the verse that went to that, that made me think that that would be okay. I'm trying to find it biblically, not, you know. That we'll know each other even as we are known. Yeah, you can probably read it better than I can. Well, it says for uh, Paul, by the way, that that chapter 13, we're not there yet tonight in our consideration, but that is the great famous love chapter of the Bible where Paul talks. It's called the love chapter because he talks about the power and the preeminency of love. Uh, You know, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become like a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move mountains but if I don't have love I am nothing and so it's it's a beautiful passage emphasizing that ultimately that we love God we love each other as God's people we love people around that love is the preeminent the, the mark on on of God's people um, yeah I just kind of believe we're going to but they know he, each other up there yeah, I think you know the I think we are says we don't know everything down here we're not we we see everything through like through a mirror dimly and by reflecting and so on but mm-hmm. then someday we're going to be known we'll know face to face 
just as well as that we are known. And so that that is the idea that someday we will, we, you know, we're part of God's family that will know each other in a way that is perfect and clear. Of course, it, it's so hard for us to imagine what glory will be, what it will be like to live in that glorified. Yeah. Uh, well, I have a little picture. I have a little picture of my wife. She has these white angels with a silver lining with a little pink inside. But I better let you all go so you can finish up your topic. <laughs> you bet. Good okay? to hear from you, Harold. Happy Father's right. Day once more. All right. You too. Bye-bye. <laughs> Harold has always got his, a perspective for us, doesn't he? Well, let's get into uh, Corinthians, Jacob. What would you add to kind of the things that I mentioned in, the, in the, kind of the broad picture of the church there, the people that were there, the situation, the the environment in which they lived, you know, the port city, the center of pagan and, and idolatrous worship. Uh, and here uh, in the middle of it, there's these group of people that are trying to live godly lives and, and obey God's commands and, and be God's people in the midst of it. Uh, well, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, these are some folks who are having difficulty, speed bumps in their life, you might say. Right. Mm-hmm. So why is Paul struggling with these people so much, and why are these people having such a hard time? Well, the why they're having a hard time, I suspect, is from that environment. I mean, there's temple worship, there's temple prostitution. It's all around them. They're surrounded by this this pervasive. They're not. They're not over in Jerusalem. They're not in Israel. They're not where they're, you know, there's a supportive environment for faith and so on, or even a respect for it. They're out there living in a world of idolatry, of perversion, of a godless worldview. And here they're, they're trying to live as if, you know, God is really, the God of the scriptures is really exists and he's really at work. And they're trying to live what, that way, but everything around them, tends to kind of be going against that grain would you that seems to be to me to be why they had so many troubles now as to why paul spends so much time with them it, it's an it's an interesting thing because uh it seems like after a while he would just kind of shake the dust off his feet and go on you know not they're they're so problematic and they're so but he has for some reason he has a deep passionate Love and concern for this people, I, I think he's, he's he's his problem is he's he's gotten to love them. He cares about them. He wants the best for them, and I don't know if it's a personal thing, or if he sees from through the eyes of God, he sees the potential and the uh, that God has for that great city. If if you know God got a hold of people and. It's kind of, I remember years, years ago, we're talking 30, 30 35 years ago, um, Bill Bright, the leader of, of our ministry, at all, of camp, the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ Ministry, uh, had always been one, he had a, had a vision for the world and he wanted to help reach the world, but he had a particular passion for Moscow. And for Russia, I, I and this was long before you know the, the walls came down in Berlin right. and the doors or opened before and all Trump. that sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, before Trump, <laughs> it had nothing to do with Putin. I, I can tell you, but but Bill had a real passion for. It. In fact, is he and Vonette when when the door did finally open, uh, our ministry was we were already very active behind the Iron Curtain, doing a lot of clandestine type uh, ministry and taking in resources and 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 so on. And ministry uh, kind of in a, a hidden way or um, cultural exchange. 
exchange type exchanges would go in and share the gospel and so on. But when the doors did finally open legally and faithfully, uh, Campus Crusade, because of Bill's dedication, rushed in with the Jesus film was shown in the in Moscow there and, and ministry tools and people went in. I, I was a part of going in at that early time. And have oh, uh, you been to Russia? Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and just a number of times. But but Bill gave Bill and Bonnet actually gave their entire retirement funds. All of the funds they had in their retirement account to they gave it to Established the first training wow. center in Moscow. Wow. Entirely, he had this real passion for for that, and so I, I don't know what was behind it. But that, your question about what made Paul so dedicated and so committed to this people, I I don't know for sure. Do, do you have an answer to your question, or no, were you kind of? I, uh, I, I, that's why I'm really asking you. I thought you might have an idea. Here is this very committed Pharisee of the Pharisees, Benjamin. You know this. We've talked about Paul before. This impressive individual. And it seems like of all the places he went, Corinth was uh, in some ways the most problematic, the least responsive, and so on. And yet he would never give up on them. He just kept on writing. He kept on imploring. He kept on. Uh, I wonder if, and I suspect in God's economy, maybe there was some. Well, you know, one of the things that catches reason. my attention, uh-huh. he does seem to be constantly trying to have a contact with the Christians. Uh-huh. And but he does seem in chapter 5 verse 11. Uh-huh. Uh he does seem to be telling the Christians not to be associating with Samaritans. But now I have written to you not to keep company with anyone named a brother who is sexually immoral or covetous or an idolater or a reviler or a drunkard or an extortioner, not not to even eat with such a person. For what have I to do with the judging those also who are outside? Do you not judge those who are inside? But those who are outside, God judges. Those who are outside, God judges. Therefore, put away from yourselves the evil person. From Deuteronomy chapter 17. Uh, tell me what you're talking. He's warning well, he, I Obviously, I think he's saying, look, uh, the guys that are outside, it's not part of this. Well, we don't associate with them. Uh, but the ones that are inside the church that are doing the same conduct, it's up to you to remove that person. I mean, that's what I get out of In, this. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think you're exactly right. Um, the, and, and, and Susanna often reminded me of that in our ministry through the years. Sometimes, you know, you'll, you'll get upset at certain people. Uh, even in our times, there's certain politicians, there's certain actors and actresses, and there's certain people in our society that we get upset at, and we get angry with them and so on. And um, But in a lot of times... They're not believers. They're not even claiming to believers. In fact, quite often they're very pri- proudly assert that they're not believers. You know, those Christians. You know, they're totally against God and God's plan and God's people. And and somehow, I'll find myself getting angry or impatient with them. And Suzanne said, well, "Don't get angry with them. They 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 don't know God. They're just they're acting out." Their worldview. They're being true to what they understand. You can't really be, you can't be unhappy with them for, for just, that's all they have. That's, they're acting the way you, you would fully expect someone to act who doesn't believe in God and doesn't believe in, in, in God's word and God's people and God's plan and, and so on. 
why are you surprised? Why are you angry? They're just they're just acting out and living out. Uh, and, and Paul says something like that in Ephesians. He says, "But you don't judge because you and I were once like that. We were against God. We we weren't, and and so on." But so I, I I think it's a a good reminder, you know that. But but people in the church, those of us who claim to be followers of Christ and to, to love God and want to, it doesn't mean we're not going to make mistakes mess but we're talking about intentionally continually uh, without repentance without remorse walking in sin and perversion and so on it, those are the ones that Paul is saying we it, it, as God's people we need to be we need to judge and hold each other accountable in in the economy of God and that's one of the things here in Corinth for example they have a leader in the church who is living with his father's wife I mean, as terrible as that seems, and so he, and Paul is just amazed. Why do you allow that to go on? You know, you, this is something that you need to take a stand on and clear with clarity, and it even talks about uh, at some point of putting someone out and, and committing them if they are a believer, giving them over to to uh, to God to, for judgment for 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 discipline, so that so that God can correct them. You know. And, so he is um he does have that dichotomy that you're talking about. Don't worry about judging the world, but but those of us in the faith we need to hold each other accountable in in the house of God. Well, you know one reason when I read this now in all fairness, I uh-huh. read it probably a little differently. I'm sure, but that's but, it's uh, also quite helpful. Well, quite so often. I read this and we and uh, we got these things going on you're talking about. Uh-huh. This guy's living with his mother-in-law, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Okay. Or his uh, his his dad's new wife. Uh-huh, uh-huh. All right, so that's the framework setting. So I know when we get over into chapter seven, we're talk- that's that famous thing. It says the wife does not have control over her own body, but uh-huh. the man that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. And if we put that in context with this example you're talking about, he's saying, look, I think that in- rather than the controversy everybody gets into, I think it's in the framework of saying. Uh, a woman that's married doesn't live with another guy, and uh, and so you know she's committed to her husband. He's committed to her. I think I think what he's saying is because of the example you're talking about that he's saying, look, she is not supposed to be sharing her body with this guy, this other guy, because she's not married to him. Nor is he supposed to be with her. Oh, man, the time's up, and I was going to say something good, but I will end it can like you, this. Can you capsulize it? Yes. Don't do bad stuff. <laughs> uh, anyway, yes. you should Amen always... goes there. Yeah, you, uh, you should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a father. We'll continue our conversations about Corinthians 1st and 2nd next week here on The Bible Live. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. 
Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. 